Hi, this is Ben Harold, ag journalist and farmer, and this is the View from the Farm podcast. We've got uh, an eventful week, a lot to talk about, and I know it's uh, pretty breezy and chilly out there for a lot of the places across the Midwest and, and a lot of the country. It's uh, We finally kind of made that turn toward the fall weather. We, we get those swings in, in weather, it seems like, when we're especially in the spring and fall, kind of transitioning from from cold to hot and hot to cold. But yeah, this this week started out last weekend. I know in the early part of this week, it was, you know, short sleeves and everything and plenty of plenty of sweat as you were climbing up and down those combines. And, and now it's kind of you're, you're fishing out the sweatshirts and jackets and things that you maybe haven't worn since April or March or something like that. So pretty, pretty interesting week, kind of a week of change there, a week that saw us really get going in full swing on harvest I think across a lot of places and you know or even those that were in full swing making pretty big progress and then we had some some rains come through kind of mid to late week and that maybe slowed things down just a bit but there's still still plenty of harvest action going on out there and we're definitely going to be talking about that going to talk a little bit about the the markets and kind of some of the things you know we're seeing shape in crop markets and and some of the trends in exports and uh, some of the numbers we've had uh, had a big USDA hogs and pigs report come out last week that I think kind of had an impact for hogs and then a week from yesterday uh, so next next week we'll have the WASD report on grains and I guess if I'm gonna sit here saying things like yesterday I should kind of give a, a timestamp idea on this it's uh, Friday October 6th we usually come out with these on Thursday but had some some busy things going on and coming to you on a Friday but yeah Friday October 6th and I guess that means next Friday's Friday the 13th so if you have a, a combine breakdown or something like that you can blame the calendar but we'll knock on wood for that here and uh, hope things keep rolling along with harvest because I know it's been pretty good start in a lot of places pretty flawless weather and you know it was a little on the warm side which helped dry things down and that's you know maybe gone away now and I, I know I around here it was you know it down the 40s and windy this morning and it's kind of just been hanging out in maybe the upper 50s today something like that so it's been been a lot chillier but that wind ought to be drying or keeping things dry i know there'd been you know some farmers kind of having some troubles once i've talked to waiting for fields to get dried down or maybe there'd be a little shower and it'd take a while to get dried up again so they could get back out there but yeah, I think we've kind of reached the point where, you know, farmers are able to kind of as, you know, things, they got plenty of ground dried down now to work on. So they got plenty to, to do when, when field conditions allow. And I know my family really got going on, on soybeans last weekend. And so that's kind of been, been good to start seeing the progress. And, you know, every time you check a field off the list or, or nose into a new field, it always kind of feels that, that sense of accomplishment. And it's, you know, early October, definitely not in a rush, but when you got, you know, the, the ground there to cover, it's always nice to get out there. And it is kind of a fun feeling when you, you pull out of that field and you look back and it's all harvested and you're kind of on to the next one and, and hopefully seeing some good yield numbers as we go. I know it's been, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the drought update like we've been doing. And I know that's, you know, a, a major part of the story of crops this year. And there's just a lot of, a lot of variation. It's kind of crazy. There's, you know, 
places where, you know, some of the beans, especially the, maybe the mid to later planted beans really benefited from some, some rains in August or even late July, but then maybe the, the corn maybe was a little bit past the, the window where it could do it as much good. And I know there was one of my crop watchers, uh, he was talking, I think up in Northeast Missouri, one of his neighbors was saying he even had fields of soybeans that out yielded the corn, which obviously would be a pretty, pretty rare thing. Cause usually if the yields knock down on corn, beans aren't going to be any better, but yeah, the, the corn definitely took a hit, but then some of those later beans really perked up, but it, it is interesting too, just, you know, as, as I'm sure you all experience out there, your, your fields, your different soil types, different areas, you know, some, something, some places hold water a lot better, some kind of, you know, more, more fertile regions, that kind of thing. And a, another crop watcher of mine was talking about, you know, you might have a field where one, one end of it's making maybe 25 bushel an acre on beans and the other end might be, might be making 80 bushel an acre. So it's just kind of all over the map. And I mean, that's even within a field, but definitely from, you know, county to county or even section to section, just kind of depending on where you, you caught your rains and things. We've been hearing a lot of that variety. And of course, we've talked about that here on the podcast. And if you want to ever catch up on any podcasts, um, we uh, have been posting them on uh, our Twitter account, View From Farm, if you want to search that. And we're, of course, putting the link out there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're available on Apple or, or Spotify podcasts. So if you just search View From The Farm or The View From The Farm, you'll definitely see us. The the little logo there is me looking in the ear of corn. I was, I was taking a peek out on my farm last year. So figured that was probably a better picture than just having myself on there. So, but anyway, yeah, View From The Farm or The View From The Farm. You can search those on Apple and Spotify and that's the whole, whole rundown of them. Be happy to have you take a listen, see what you think. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about here on this episode of the podcast. Going to talk, uh, yeah, a little more uh, specific about the drought talking about and then um, kind of what we've been seeing with, with the rain and kind of what's typical around here. And then, of course, uh, you know, when I, when I hit some of that market information, uh, you know, I'd mentioned with some of the reports coming out and, you know, export news and kind of how that's been shaping shaping the markets out there. You know, I know it's been pretty pretty wild ride this year just talking with some different farmers during harvest about you know, how they've tackled marketing decisions and just trying to, you know, lock in a price you can work with. But then, you know, you, it's just there's so many unknowns. You're you're trying to control what you can control, but that's, you know, even that sometimes seems like that's a handful. So going to talk a little bit about the market side. And then, of course, going to talk about some of the stories I've been working on this week from Missouri Farmer today, um, kind of a, a crop update type story that's Something during the the whole growing season we do usually at least once a month, me or one of my coworkers will kind of update on how the crops are looking in you know Missouri, Iowa, Illinois, just kind of that general midwest region and this is kind of the, the last one of those obviously coming out in october it's as much a harvest update as a crop update but we're i'll give you kind of the quick rundown on that and then uh yeah talking with some people getting into the business selling farm fresh meat and kind of what all's entailed there and it was interesting talking with a farm family that does that and uh then yeah i'll kind of look ahead got a couple interesting stories coming up just want to give you the the rundown of those and we'll get into a little bit of history so you got some some history, some economics, uh, you know, we're really covering the board here of things I'm probably not qualified to talk about. So hang on, should be a fun, fun ride. But first thing we, we will kind of dive into, 
Um, you know, yeah, as harvest is really getting getting going out there, and, and as I mentioned, people are kind of getting into you know crop yields, and I know a lot of the corn out there end up getting chopped for silage, or you know, there's probably a lot of a lot of places where it's just most fields getting getting crop insurance claims and things like that. But on as far as looking at the drought map, and you know, it's kind of been holding steady here lately, just with with a few rains, but it had been. You know, we had kind of a few weeks of warmer than normal drier weather, and so it's kind of balancing things out a little bit. But the high plains regions, you know, stayed about the same on the on the drought numbers, and um, the the Midwest region, um, you know, it's kind of been been about the same too. You know, you see a few percentages tick tick up and tick down, and so you know, it's kind of been been interesting to follow all that, but. Uh, yeah, I know there there were some rains come through. That latest drought map was released October 5th. It, it says data valid as of October 3rd, so they kind of compile it for a day or two and then release it. But basically what we're looking at there, there, there were more widespread rains kind of came through mid to late week. So I would think next week some of those drought numbers would look a little better. But yeah, definitely what we were what we were dealing with there was kind of kind of some rough conditions and you know just looking at some of the the states around here um you know my my state here in Missouri which you know I, I think the number shows pretty early in harvest it's about 12 percent of the soybean crop harvested and you know corn obviously farther along than that but anyway you know in, in terms of the drought conditions Missouri's got you know, uh, over a fourth of the state in the, the level two severe drought and 59% of the state in drought. So it's still pretty, pretty widespread here. We'll see what impact some of those rains have had. And of course, our, our neighbors to the north, Iowa, you know, you, you see the impact there because that's, you know, one of the most productive farm states in the country. And it's, it's right now seeing 96% of the state in drought. And basically all the state is either in drought or abnormally dry, which is almost kind of like a pre-drought distinction. It's right there next to it, but not not quite enough to official drought. But it's, you know, drier than you want to be for sure. Plenty of plenty of dust flying around. But anyway, yeah, 96% of Iowa's in drought. Two-thirds of the state's in that, that second-level severe drought. And then over a fourth of the state of Iowa is actually in the, the third-level extreme drought. So pretty pretty tough conditions up there um you know some states haven't been you know there's been parts of them dry some of them not as bad like illinois you know looking east it's it's 22 percent in drought but you know eight over 80 percent of that state is either in drought or abnormally dry so it's it's definitely not you know perfect conditions in a lot of places really so it's been been pretty tough there on a lot of fronts and you know I think something we'll keep watching like like I say next week there could be you know some better information there if we kind of hit some of these rains but yeah it's you know Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa all have pretty pretty severe drought and pretty widespread levels of of severe drought and extreme drought even in some places and you know Minnesota and Wisconsin still can pretty dry and you know we know about the impact that's had that was another thing one of my crop watchers talking about trouble with you know things moving on the Mississippi River and getting fertilizer at different places and you know it's those upper upper Mississippi basin states you know Minnesota Wisconsin Iowa really struggling and then you know you look down south and it's just pretty pretty staggering really um 
you know, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and then even out, of course, in New Mexico and Arizona. But again, that lower kind of basin of the area that drains into the Gulf is just pretty, pretty historic what's happening there. And I mean, looking at the the South region, if you will, which they break into like Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Tennessee. And I mean, that's, you know, uh, two thirds in drought, half of that in the the severe or the yeah severe drought and then a third of that whole massive southern region is in um, extreme drought and then we're really seeing a, a rise I mean 14 percent of the region they call the the south there is in exceptional drought which is the highest level the 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 fourth level of drought if you will and that's really concentrated um, Louisiana Mississippi Texas it's just I mean, it's staggering seeing some of these maps and almost takes you back to 2012. But I know Louisiana's got 58% of the state in the highest level of drought, which is exceptional drought. And obviously, based on, you know, what the word exceptional means, I mean, that's not not something we're, that we are used to seeing or that's very common at all. And so it's just pretty pretty intense, I mean, what, what they're dealing with down there and, you know, the impact that has for the Mississippi River because we've got you know, states up the river really having a lot of issues with, with drought. And then, you know, then the states at the very bottom, but the, the, the widest, biggest parts of the Mississippi River having issues. And it's, you know, it was, we were in early September having issues with that. And then things have continued to kind of get worse with, you know, movement, grain movement on the river and, you know, how that impacts the basis and what, you know, demand and what we're ultimately able to get for our crops. So I think that's something something farmers are going to continue to watch. And I think that's, you know, it's been, been a, a hassle. It was tough last year. I, th I think in a lot of places it's worse now this year than it was last year, but yeah, something we'll have to keep, you know, keep an eye on and, and hopefully, you know, get some fall rains. I, I know, you know, just in terms of looking for relief from drought, help with river levels, you know, help with people, just ponds out there for water for livestock and that kind of thing. And, and any, you know, last bits of fall growth on forage, you know, I know there's a lot of areas where there's still, still some weeks left before the first frost and things like that. But, you know, usually the fall is a pretty rainy time. I know people, people trying to get harvest done and crops out. There's plenty of times I'm sure where you think about, you know, getting rained out of the field and, you know, looking at just again, for example, Missouri, where we get, you know, over 40 inches of rain a year. And a lot of that is in the spring, you know, our wettest months, you think about May, June, probably April. And then even some of the summer months, you get occasional pop-up storms, but the fall is kind of when you get more of the widespread rains generally coming back again. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I know just talking with cool season grass forage people, you know, they kind of just in general think two thirds of your, your annual cool season grass growth is in the spring and the other third kind of coming in the fall, just, you know, is that, that window where the grass gets activated and grows before it gets into the hot, you know, summer where we kind of look to maybe some of the warm season grasses to carry the bear, the, the burden more, but yeah, definitely should, you know, normal, what is normal anymore, but yeah, normal year, you know, you get some rain in the fall and, and kind of perk things up and help the situation. So we'll definitely be hoping and praying for that for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned the, the impact that, um, some of the, the issues with the river has on markets. And, um, I, I think that's been interesting kind of tracking, you know, some of the, the different things with the, um, you know, grain movement and how that does impact things. But 
I know, you know, just talking, I think October 4th, I guess that was two days ago, you know, that was a, a topic. The barge freight was down again and, you know, they, they've been working on dredging operations kind of around Memphis and, you know, just river, river level staying low. And so I think that's, you know, an issue there and it, it's, uh, you know, that, and then you throw in, speaking of drought, like Brazil and Argentina, pretty big crop producers down there, you know, they've been struggling with drought too. And so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think, uh, let's see, it'll be October 12th next week is the next WASD uh, USDA report, which is kind of the, the grain supply and demand, the big the big monthly report that really, you know, kind of moves the needle for a lot of markets. And, you know, it, it's a lot of times, again, not so much what the report shows, but how it compares the expectations. And we'll, we'll get onto that in a second, talking about the hogs and pigs report that came out last week. But as far as this WASI report, I think, you know, we're kind of looking on that soybean production side. I think, you know, the outlook during the, the, the summer, especially early summer, was reducing, you know, what we think we're going to get because it's, you know, a lot of drought issues. And then kind of late July, and especially the first half of August, got a lot of rains across a lot of big soybean producing areas and thought, okay, maybe, you know, this might perk up the supply. But then, you know, kind of turned dry again. And with some of the warmth, I think a lot of people... You know, maybe there was a late boost for beans, but not as much as some people had hoped. And so, you know, I think I think that that supply side, the production side, as far as, you know, how big of a crop we're going to have, I think that's really, you know, kind of the, the key question here looking at this WASDE report or certainly one of them. I think, uh, you know, the last the last WASDE report uh, in September still had the U.S. soybean production estimate over 50 bushels per acre, just barely. You know, there's talk, I think, from some estimates it could dip below that, but it's just kind of kind of hard to tell. I, I think on the corn side, you know, uh, September, they were looking at, you know, 173.8 bushels per acre for the U.S. corn crop. And then the, the estimate, a lot of the estimates right now are kind of more like 173.6. So just, you know, a couple tenths of a bushel per acre lower on the corn estimate. And, you know, we'll see if they go lower and how much on that soybean side. And then, you know, whether they, you know, bump up production kind of or, or drop it down the soybean side. I think there's just the general consensus that you know, with uh, Brazil maybe having some weather troubles, that the, the sort of the ending stocks, the soybean stocks, what we have is going to be pretty tight. And, you know, that, that would probably be pretty bullish for the market. But, you know, again, it's all relative to what the numbers actually show versus expectations. So we'll, we'll definitely be watching that. Um, you know, the, the corn export news this week was pretty strong. Uh, Mexico is the largest buyer and uh, China did make a, a small purchase of U.S. corn. So I think, you know, there's definitely some things going on there to be positive about on the corn side. And um, kind of looking at the, the soybean side, again, I think a lot of focus just because South America, if you look at it as a whole, grows so many soybeans. You know, I, I think that really does. It's it's something that obviously merits paying attention to. And, you know, we know Argentina has had a lot of issues with a pretty severe drought down there. And they've got, you know, some chances for some rains from what I've heard, but not really enough that will put a whole lot of a dent in their drought. And um, it's, it's kind of interesting. And there's parts of Brazil that, you know, are actually too wet. It's, you know, a huge country. It's, you know, you think about you could have – parts of the U.S. be too wet and then a couple states over it's too dry and so there's some of that too but just really a lot of weather issues there in South America that could you know 
push push beans a little higher, but I think that's you know as we're hauling hauling our crop into market you know during harvest and kind of getting as we begin to get a better idea what kind of size a crop we'll have, I think that'll kind of firm up the the market direction a little bit. Yeah, definitely. We'll probably record the podcast on Thursday after that, for sure, after that WASD report comes out, because I think that'll be pretty telling for just sort of the, the direction, you know, heading throughout fall, what we're going to see with some of these markets. And then just to, to touch on wheat, you know, I think, you know, it, it had been uh, down, you know, it was kind of, I think experts use the term oversold, you know, kind of that technical perspective some of the numbers they crunch and looking at charts but just yeah wheat wheat had been had been going down was probably due for a little correction there um i think the there's you know it's it's hard to tell with with wheat it's you know it's it's uh tough to figure sometimes because it's so global you know and you think about the the russia and ukraine war and both of those are pretty big exporting wheat countries and you know what impact that can have for production just being able to grow wheat getting it in and out and their costs of production as other costs go up with war going on and so you know i i think you see a lot of times is that situation you know news and events there really can shape the wheat market but i think in general um you know exports play a pretty big role again the global perspective on the wheat market and just kind of how we compete and you know a lot of that's just as simple as currency exchange rates and if the u.s dollar strong you know that might make it a little harder to keep those export markets going and when the opposite happens it's yeah a little little more exports perk up but um yeah just looking uh year to date export commitments they're down this is as of this week down about 13.5% from a year ago and uh about 8% down from the USDA forecast for the year and kind of their expectations so wheat exports kind of lagging a little bit again it's it's probably the strong dollars probably part of that and then you know again just you think about all the global news in a day and that can impact our our competitors for wheat markets and there's there's just a lot of, of moving pieces there but yeah something something to watch and we'll we'll kind of again see as more reports come out and you know see what the picture looks like next week but yeah, on the the cattle side of things, it's kind of interesting. Um, you, you know, cattle and hogs. I, I guess first thing on that hogs and pigs report, it came out last Friday, and it was kind of bearish. I think um, just looking at the the supply side numbers, anyway. Um, let me get that called up here in front of me, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things. I think again, expectations versus what actually happens in the report. Usually there's an, a range of estimates and the, the report numbers come down somewhere kind of in that range. But, um, looking at the hog supply, uh, it was actually above the upper end of expectations. So it was, you know, and it was actually an increase. I think people were talking about how much of a decline will we see in hog and pig numbers in this report. And not only was it not a question of how much of a decline, it was actually increased a little bit. So there's more more hogs and pigs out there, more supply of something generally drives the the price down, you know, basically the the basic tenets of economics that I do gather with the supply and demand. And um, anyway, though, it, it's interesting because there was a pretty strong sell-off on Friday. You know, hog markets dropped quite a bit, but then, you know, there's kind of that, okay, the market's absorbed the news and then starts thinking about other things going on, starts to kind of see that buyback. 
And I think as of uh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, it had kind of made up, I think, about half the gains of what it, it gained about half of what it lost. So, you know, it, it was a pretty severe drop, but then it, it kind of starts to work its way back a little and that market sort of works to to find its balancing point there anyway. And something I think uh, of news for, for hogs and pigs, kind of looking at the... Uh, um, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, basically the the hog side and the cattle have some export numbers out that came out yesterday, which would have been October fifth, and so want to get those. I'm really shuffling multiple screens here, and I've got different things plugged in, so it's a real real top shelf operation here on the View from the Farm podcast you're listening to. But yeah, let's let's stick with hogs for a second first and look at the the export side of things. Um, you know, it was a pretty good, uh, you know, each week they released the weekly export sales information and it was pretty good for, for U.S. pork exports. Um, it was about 43,000 tons and that's up from 27,000 the previous week and that's actually the highest weekly total since April 27th. So let's see, April and then May, June, July, August, September. Yeah, the highest in five months, the the weekly total of 43,000 tons. Um, largest buyer was Mexico, and then China was in there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's, Japan is often a pretty big buyer there too. And so, you know, pretty, pretty massive week there for pork exports. I think that kind of, again, helped the, the pork markets kind of begin to recover from that hogs and pork, uh, hogs and pigs information. Cause that's one thing I guess you can cure, you know, somewhat cure a larger supply is have larger demand and, you know, increasing exports is definitely one way to, to increase your demand there. So just kind of looking uh, at 2023 for the year, because again, it was a really, really good week. Uh, you know, the, the four week average had been like a little over 30,000 tons and we had 43,000 tons. So big uh, banger of a week for pork export sales. And um, just in terms of the, yeah, the, the yearly total to get the broader context, we're up to 1.425 million tons uh, of exports so far on pork this year, which is up from 1.282 million a year ago. Um, still just a little below the five-year average, 1.435 million. But, you know, you're talking about the difference between 1.435 and 1.425. So pretty close to that five-year average and definitely up from last year. So pretty decent year so far on the, the pork exports. And I think that's definitely helped obviously support the market. Um, looking at the, the cattle side of things um, on the the exports there and um, you know, it was maybe not quite as good a weekly beef export numbers, I think is, you know, definitely not as much as pork saw and not, not quite maybe what people had hoped for. It was about 13,600 tons down from about 18,000 the previous week, but still a little bit above the four week average of 13,000 tons. So, you know, kind of hanging in there with that four week average, but, you know, just kind of looking at the, the cumulative for the year, it's been, you know, a little bit of a down year for pork exports. Uh, you know, they're, they're up to 742,000 tons for the year, um, which, you know, is around half the, the pork exports by, by tonnage we've had this year. But, you know, that's kind of something, something we usually see just thinking about the percent of each of those, you know, different 
uh, meats that are exported from the U.S. But as far as, you know, comparing beef to beef, uh, yeah, 742,000 tons exported so far this year, down from about 893,000 a year ago. So slight decrease there from a year ago, also below the five-year average of 822,000. So, you know, poor, uh, beef exports would need a, a rally there to kind of catch up. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things you, you kind of see, again, some of the factors working against it with with the the dollar and then with you know some of our competitors out there and you know the the beef export space but you know that's something obviously talk with people all the time the u.s meat export federation and different things like that what they're doing to always kind of build net establish and maintain markets and you know they're they're doing what they can but yeah it's still still a little bit down there on the beef exports for the year and you know got few more big months here to go so we'll see kind of where we end up when the year comes to a close but that's kind of the the angles there I've been tracking on the you know a lot of export news this week and just kind of tracking you know how that's shaping what impact it's having for cattle and hog markets and crops and yeah, as far as stories I was working on this week for Missouri Farmer Today, of course, I kind of talked about the crop update, and I can just give you my updated numbers there. But yeah, I was just kind of looking at, you know, what kind of progress we're seeing on, on harvest. And, it, you know, like I say, as more fields get dried down and ready and seeing more and more bean fields dropping leaves, I know driving out through the country, there's anything from you know, mostly green or half green fields with a lot of leaves to go to, you know, already harvested fields. So a lot of variety there in the beans, but just in terms of the, the overall um, harvest there, uh, kind of looking at USDA has its weekly crop progress and condition report. This latest one was released October 2nd, but uh, yeah, Missouri's corn crops actually 42% harvested. Um, a lot of a lot of progress on that in the last week, no doubt. And then it's ahead of last year it was actually thirty two percent last year. So yeah, Missouri's got quite a bit of the corn crop going. Obviously, places down south, you know, can get started earlier. Um, but then Iowa's corn crop, sixteen uh, percent harvested, which is ahead of last year. And then Illinois's corn crop is twenty three percent harvested, which is again ahead of last year. So you know, some of the higher drier weather probably helping make some a little bit earlier progress there. We'll see how that goes now that we're getting some some rain splashing across different areas. But soybean wise, pretty early stages. Missouri's got twelve percent of soybeans harvested. Iowa soybeans actually 24% harvested and Illinois soybeans 19% harvested. So we'll keep watching that and see, you know, I think it will get the, this week, uh, you know, we'll see how much the rain impacted the harvest progress, but then, you know, decent forecast ahead, pretty typical for October, I think. So we'll see, see how things go with maybe kind of some, some quote unquote normal conditions there. But also another story I was working on, um, talking a little bit, I'd mentioned this earlier, but about the, the farm fresh meats. And I was able to talk with a, a farm family, the, the Schneiders, they're over by Herman, Missouri in Gasconade County. And they have a Missouri Farm Fresh is the name of their, their meat they sell. But just kind of talking with them about how they got into that business, what they've learned and um, talking with uh, Cheryl Schneider over there, you know, she was talking about it's, it's definitely a, a learning process. You know, you, we're, we're used to as farmers, you know, we're good at that. We're good at growing, producing, taking care of animals, but then, you know, that we can even market a little bit, but that kind of that direct consumer relations and just different things you'll learn, I think was, 
has been an interesting part of the process, you know, for, for her. And they actually kind of got started selling their meat direct to consumers and, and they sell the grocery stores too, but uh, wholesale. But it was kind of just one of those things that happens by accident. They had their, their kids, they have a cattle cattle and row crop farm over there and their kids uh, showed some cattle but wanted to get into showing some hogs and, you know, raising some hogs to show some of them. He had some extras and, you know, wanting to know what to do with them and they just, you know, started selling the meat directly to people and, you know, that saw there was a demand for that and people like, you know, if they can, can taste quality and they, you know, kind of like that farm fresh, know where their food comes from, that kind of thing is always pretty, pretty popular, especially right now. And so started selling pork and then people were like, boy, we'd like to buy other stuff from you. So they start selling beef and then they got chickens and turkey and, you know, you get things going and, and she, you know, talked about the website. You just kind of, you know, launch that, but then you learn, okay, you know, the importance of, good images, pictures, you know, the product and giving people options and things like that, you know, having, having different variety packs and letting people kind of pick and choose what they want to put in their, their box they're buying. But yeah, it's just been, been interesting. I think she said, you know, getting to interact with customers is pretty cool. And, you know, some, some farmers, it, it kind of depends how you're wired. You know, some people would probably like those customer interactions and some people, you know, just kind of want to do their own thing out on their farm and, put the stuff on the truck and sell it and, you know, ship your cattle off or your, your corn and beans and not have to deal with that. But for, for people that are interested in that, it can be kind of a good avenue. And I think again, based, based on what she said, just a lot of people I've talked to, there's a lot of, a lot of demand out there for that. People like buying, you know, farm fresh meat, buying directly from the producer when they can. So yeah, it was kind of interesting just to hear about that. And you know, it's interesting a lot of ways to hear about how farmers kind of go about, you know, creating extra income or adding value to their operation. And there's a lot of a lot of different value added things going on right now in, in agriculture. And so, yeah, it was kind of kind of a cool story worth checking out. Hopefully there at MissouriFarmerToday.com. And just looking ahead a little bit, what I'm going to be working on this uh, for this coming week, uh, coming week's deadlines, have our winter building ventilation update. And that's kind of a story. I'm not going to say we ride it every year, late fall and into the winter, but, you know, quite a few years we do. And it's kind of one of those things that's important. So it's a good, good refresher. And we, you know, I've got some good sources lined up there. So it's always nice to kind of, you know, remind people of the best best things to be doing there and, and talk to people who are way smarter than me about the number one or several ways to make things go smoothly there. And it, it's kind of wild to think about wintertime, but, you know, when we have our weekly story meetings, story planning meetings, you know, we kind of think six weeks ahead when we do that. And, you know, you, you start to think six weeks from, you know, now or six weeks from our you know, issue, first issue we have deadlines for coming up. It's, you really start to, you know, you, you get a pretty far chunk down the road and you get deep into November. And then, yeah, we are going to be thinking about colder weather and snow and winter time and all that coming right around the corner. So yeah, it'll be interesting to write, write on that. And then just going to work on a story update on the census of agriculture. I'll have some more information on that, uh, obviously next week to share as I work more on the story, but just to kind of give you some background on that that's something we do every five years and it's years ending in two and seven so we had like a 2012 ag census 2017 most recent ones 2022 and it's they kind of release the information gradually and it takes a while to get all the information but it is interesting a, a snapshot of uh, u.s agriculture you know you see things like the average age of farmers getting older and you might see consolidation you know farms getting bigger or, you know there's 
talk of if you might see a, a sort of a zag on that where there's more people with small acreages and how that can affect the, the numbers. But yeah, it's just a, a big, big data heavy snapshot of our uh, farm experience in the country. I think it's kind of kind of interesting. It's something, I mean, as far back as the 1820, you know, we do population census stuff every decade. And 1820, they're asking people how many people in the household were involved in agricultural pursuits and then starting in 1840, they had separate forms for ag census information. And then, yeah, they kind of eventually adjusted those numbers kind of or the years they did them to kind of line them up with other economic based surveys as opposed to just the, the population census every 10 years. But uh, 1997, they shifted it from being a Census Bureau budgeting to USDA, Department of Agriculture budgets and kind of orchestrates that but they still work with the census bureau on designing the forms and a lot of mailing and processing and things so yeah i hope to have more information on that next week but that's just kind of a little background on the census of agriculture and we'll be diving into any any information available already from the 2022 census and kind of looking a bit more at that process but yeah, that should take care of this issue. We'll let you go. We got uh, plenty going on. I'm sure it'll be plenty to talk about next week, but thanks for listening to the View from the Farm podcast. Like I say, we're available on Apple and Spotify podcasts and uh, got the link on our Twitter page there. View from Farm is the Twitter handle or X, I guess they call it now if you want to search that. But anyway, thanks for listening. Sure appreciate it and have a great day out there.